investi besties, investing can sometimes seem pretty overwhelming, right? With all the news about inflation, interest rates, and just how everything seems so much less affordable nowadays. It just seems more frustrating when it comes to building that wealth nest. That's why our friends at Moby have your back. Moby is this incredible new app built by a team of former Morgan Stanley investors that are making financial education as simple as browsing a social feed. Moby will create for you a jargon-free update on what's happening in the financial markets every day of the week while giving you hand-picked stocks that cater to how you want to be investing. The best part, the team has consistently beaten the S&P 500 by over 11.9% for the past four years. A very important topic for our generation nowadays is how to get wealthy in an economy broken for young people. The most simple, understandable way for anybody, young or old, to start building their wealth for themselves starts with building confidence in how you invest, and so if you're ready to build your confidence in your investing, you can earn more money with Moby while spending less time, energy, and money on doing so. Join over 5 million people investing smarter, happier, and safer with Moby, the jargon-free app on where you should be investing and what companies you should be considering for your portfolio. Sign up for Moby Premium today by using the GTI code in the episode description box, and you can get a full year of Moby Premium for just $8.25 a month. Remember, just click on the link in the description to get started today. Welcome to Girls That Invest. You're joined today by your hosts, Sam and Sonia, two millennial investors who are here to help you learn about all things investing and personal finance. Howdy. Hey, Sonia. How are you? I'm great. How are you? I've noticed you've been saying howdy a lot recently. My favorite emoji at the moment is the little happy face with the cowboy hat on it. Like, yeehaw. You have been using that emoji a lot. And it's, you know what? I, I'm not a fan of it because it's so like passive aggressive in my head. I'm like, are I you, know. right? Okay, you know. <laughs> I understand. Like when I use it, I just feel so goofy, you know? Like I'm not being serious at all. I, I feel like I'm using it ironically because I don't know anything about cowboys. I haven't been horse riding since I was like five on Crystal Mountain. It was like a primary school trip, you know? I'm not into cowboy culture. Is that problematic? I don't think that's problematic. I just think I'll be like, how are you? And if you say good with a cowboy emoji, I'm like, that could mean 20 things. <laughs> that just tells you that I'm not doing it okay. Or I'll just be like, is it okay? And you're like, it's okay. Cowboy emoji. I'm like, it's not okay. I'm in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> My favorite thing is being super unprofessional on Slack because it's like a professional, you know, workplace platform to talk to your colleagues and some will be like does this make sense or like blah 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 and I'll be like yeehaw <laughs> you will the thing is she won't even send the emoji she will just type out yeehaw and I'm like I think that means yes because Sonia's going through her cowgirl era and so <laughs> I am not I have no idea how this started to happen I'm in Canada like in Toronto, in the city, it's like starting to snow here. Hold There's on a second, no cowboy affiliations. Did you say you're in Canada? Yeah. Oh, it's it's almost like we talked about that every single episode. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was just trying to say that I I can't give you any context. Like one day, I just realized that I'd been doing this for several weeks. What's your emoji? I don't have an emoji. Oh, you know what? It's like the dead face emoji, like the skull. 
I'm trying to get into the habit of using the skull face emoji instead of the laughing emoji. Mm. Because ever since someone told me it was like a boomer emoji, I'm like, pardon? So using the laugh face emoji with the crying tears, that's like, oh, that's so old. Like the... It's cool to laugh with the dead, like, skull face emoji. Like, oh, my God, that's so funny. I'm dead. But you know what I was thinking the other day? We keep doing this on the Mm -hmm. podcast. We keep being like, this is what the young, cool people are doing. And we're 26. I'm like, why are we acting like we've aged out of life? I think this is a deeper issue, actually, that we could talk about. I think ageism and the fear of aging is such a real thing. And, you know, it's news to me that different emojis now have generations attached to it. Yeah. Because I use a skull emoji all the time, but it's still like, I would still like to use a laughing emoji. You can't. Yeah, I can't. I think this is where knowing who your audience is is important because I can use it with my parents because they'll know what it is. But if I send them a skull, they'll be like, are you okay? They'll get mad at us. They'll be like, why would you wish death upon us? Like that's so bad. Before we get into the show, a huge thank you to HSBC for powering this week's episode. 80% of money media tell women to spend less and make them feel bad about money, yet more than 67% of women want to learn about their finances and grow their wealth. We are so proud to be partnering with HSBC as they pave the way for financial well-being and diversity, which aligns with our mission of empowering women. An integral part of HSBC's mission is to empower and support each customer with their unique wealth needs, whenever and wherever they are. So whether you're at the very beginning of your wealth creation phase and taking your first steps in investing, or you're starting to think about passing your wealth and values to the next generation, HSBC can connect you to global opportunities at every stage of your wealth journey. Jump onto the link in the description to find out more. All right, back to the show. What are we talking about today? So we are going to be breaking down something that we've had a couple of people ask, and it's the different indices that are used to measure market performance. So if you follow or have ever looked at like stock market or investing news, which honestly not a lot of people have, you might see things like the NASDAQ composite or the S&P 500 or the Dow Jones, and you'll see newsline articles that have men in suits there's like b-roll of them like crying or like rolling on the floor they're not that stressed but but they've got their hands on their forehead (laughs) and they're just like so worried and there's all this like red on the screens and it'll be like the dow jones has dropped 12 base points or the nasdaq is like you know plummeting by two percent but what does that mean and what does it mean in stock market what even are these composites and are they really things that you need to know to be a good investor or are they just things that are like you know fun facts and if they ever come up in a finance bro conversation you can kind of whip them out we're going to be deep diving into them today and you're going to be walking away you know just a a few more brain cells smarter these are definitely the three biggest averages that we speak about like plugging our newsletter if those of you who don't know we do a weekly newsletter they're usually the averages that we will report on as well. So I'm really glad that we've got this episode that we can be like, hey, listen to this episode. This is what that means. And just for context, we don't talk about them because we think we should. It's honest, like everyone does. Like we're no better than the Wall Street Journal. Oh, no, yeah. It's not like we <laughs> we picked the best three. It's just the yeah. three average indices that are used to describe the stock market. So before we even get into what each of the three are, let me just take a second to break down what an index or an indices does. 
You could think of an index like a list and the list could be the top 500 companies in the US or the top 30 tech companies or the top 50, you know, real estate companies. They're just lists of companies. And if the list does well or does poorly, people believe that these lists represent the entire US stock market. But there's three different lists that are used. And so you've got the Dow, the NASDAQ, and the S&P 500. And what these do is there are three different ways to go. Is the stock market going up or down? And for most of the part, they all agree. But sometimes you'll notice, hey, like the NASDAQ is down and the Dow is down, but the S&P 500 is up. So like, is the stock market up or down? Because they measure different things and because they use different companies to measure it, they're going to have different numbers, but we'll break into them and kind of get into what it means very simply. One of the things that I want to say though, Sonia, this is like a prime example of jargon getting in the way. Like if anyone was like, hey, I want to learn about the stock market. And then they Google, how's the market doing? And it's like the Dow is down 5% and then S&P is up and NASDAQ is like going sideways. You'd be like, cool. And you'd like close your laptop and go back to life. <laughs> like, how does that relate? Who looks at these words and goes, oh, yeah, that makes sense. So if you've ever struggled, you are not alone. No one woke up one day knowing what the Dow Jones meant, knowing what S&P meant, knowing what the NASDAQ meant. But we're here to break it down because we are your investing besties and we are going to make it simple. Mm. Can I share a story? Absolutely. So I was talking to my roommate the other day and she was saying that her manager and like a few other like boys in the kitchen, like chefs at her restaurant, they were talking about the stock market and she listens to our podcast. She's a fan. Like she, you know, has done our course. So she knows her thing. She knows her stuff. Right. And she was just like the way that they were talking about it. It was like, it was to purposefully exclude me and like a few other people at her work. And I was like, what made you feel that way? And she was like, it just felt like they were pulling out jargon words and like all these random things that they had seen like on the news, but they were using like these words to intimidate. And I was like, I know what that means. Like I know what the S&P 500 means. Like I know what a stock market is. Like I invest. But even when she tried to include herself in the conversation, it was almost like they didn't want her to be a part of it. And I just think that's super interesting. You know, it just goes to show how needed like our platform and platforms like this, like are because we try to be as inclusive as possible using examples that make sense. And if we use a jargon term, we want to break it down. And this is one of like, I guess, the episodes that have been requested since the very beginning. So I'm really glad that we're doing it now. But I just want to say it is not your fault if you don't understand. I feel like for so long we've been made to feel like this and it's not an accident. So if anyone has any other episode requests or anything else that you'd like us to break down, please DM us, please email us because we're happy to do that for you. Yeah, that's such a sad like story to hear. I thought you were going to be like, and then she jumped in and was like, I know. And then they had like a great conversation because that's like, I guess the ideal you almost, when you're in those conversations, because I've been in those situations before, you almost feel like if I talk about it in the way I do, because I 
dumb it down for myself. And I think that's why people are like, oh, you simplify. I'm like, no, I need this simplified for me. Like if I can't understand this in like five-year-old speak, I can't understand it. So when I talk about it in a group of people, I'm going to be like, oh yeah, like that thing and use like common terminology and words. And then you almost get looked down for speaking about things simply. But in my head, I'm like, I feel like the smartest person in this group right now because I'm the only one that can say it in simple terms without like Mm. blockchain and like future technology and like whatever it is. Like if I'm like, oh, like it's just like a list, then they're like, Mm. no, it's not. And look, there's a time and place for that jargon, for that vernacular, for that vocabulary, for you to talk as if like you are reporting on the stock market yourself, you know, like there is a time and place for that. But when you are in an open environment, you're at dinner, you're talking with colleagues who aren't in the same field as you, who's asking questions, who also like knows their thing. I think you need to have some level of social awareness to be like, I can talk about this in a different way because it's very, very obvious when people uh, try to make you feel inferior. So, uh-huh. yeah, just saying, just saying. That is horrific. So, well, anyway, this episode is going to be here to break it down so that you can turn back and just be like, I do actually have the receipt. Sorry, the Dow Jones. I know her personally. <laughs> so the first index that we're going to break down is the Dow. The Dow has a lot of names. And this used to confuse me because I thought there were different Dows and different names. There's the Dow Jones Industrial Average. It's also known as the Dow, also known as the Dow Jones, also known as DJIA, which is like it's, I was going to say it's initials, and it's a stock market index of 30 large publicly owned blue chip companies that are either on the New York Stock Exchange or the NASDAQ. And these are companies that are from many sectors, but I want to make it very clear they're not the 30 biggest companies in the States. That's not how it works. It's 30 large companies, and they're from all sectors besides utilities and transportation. What's interesting about the Dow compared to the other ones that we're going to talk about today is it is one of the oldest ways of measuring the stock market. So it is the second oldest and probably one of the most commonly followed indexes. Now, the funny thing with the Dow Jones is that they were created by three guys. One of them had the name Dow in his name. The other one had the name Jones in his name. And the third one, they were like, sorry, buddy, that's like, that's enough. It would be like... (laughs) Simran, Sonia, and then if we had a third friend, it would be like, no, it's still just called Simran and Sonia. (sighs) And so they founded a company called the Dow Jones Company. And what they did is they invented this index to be like, how do we measure the stock market? Let's look at 30 really great companies, things like Coca-Cola, American Express, 3M, McDonald's, the Walt Disney Company, and see if they do well, then the overall market should do well. And when they do poorly, the market will do poorly. And a little fun fact, these guys were really onto it. They also invented the Wall Street Journal, hmm. right? And then they sold off the Dow Jones Industrial Average to S&P. So that's getting a little bit complicated. But what this index does is it's chosen by a committee. A group of people sit around every couple of years, give or take, and they go, right, what are the 30 companies on the NASDAQ And in the New York Stock Exchange that represent the U.S. market, these have to be stable companies. They have to be blue chip, which means that they have stable earnings, really well-known brand names. And they need to exist in a way that if they go up and down, we can go, oh, yeah, the market is going up and down. 
when this started in 1896, which honestly blows my mind because I feel like the world was just getting started. Do you know what I mean? I feel like we were just trying to work out like, are cigarettes good or bad? We were working out like, what kind of roads work? Do Is lead good to have in your water or not? I feel like we were back in that stage. So for the people back then in that time period to be like, hmm, the stock market, like what companies should we put in here to then measure it? It just, I feel like there was two very different worlds existing during that time. Mm. So it started in 1896. There were 12 companies and basically they were th- companies that were involved in railroads, cotton, gas, sugar, tobacco, and oil, basically the sort of industrial revolutional companies at the time. But the downside of the Dow, even though it is still used today, is that as you've probably heard me say a few times, there's only 30 companies. So it doesn't really reflect the entire stock market in the way the S&P 500 does. And Sonia will get into that in a second. And the other thing to note is that with the S&P 500, the companies are weighted by market cap, which means that if they have a large market capitalization, if it's a big company, like it's worth a billion dollars or a trillion dollars, that's how they're measured. So company number one is the largest company. Company number two is the second largest company. These are price weighted. So if the share price is really high of, let's say, Coca-Cola, then Coca-Cola is company number one. And then if American Express is, you know, got the second highest share price, American Express is number two. But my favorite thing about this is unlike the S&P 500, which is automatically regulated based off, you know, how large a company is, this is committee based. And so people will literally sit down and go, "Mm, you know what, we're not really loving this company, we're going to kick them off. And so the companies that are in there are very well kept, very strict and stringent companies. And so you'll see them used and viewed very highly. And that's essentially what the Dow is. If the Dow goes up, it means 30 large companies went up. And if the Dow goes down, 30 large companies went down. It's really not that complicated. My initial thoughts on the Dow is I thought there was probably about 2,000 companies in the Dow, the way that people talk about it. And when I, you know, obviously you find out there's only 30 companies. I was like, really? We're using this as like an overarching (laughs) thing of like, this is how like the market is doing. It's like interesting to me. I just wouldn't trust 30 companies to make my decisions. Like, would you trust 30 people with your life? No, like if it came to my health, I want like all the doctors in the world to be like, this is the research we've done, not like 30 handpicked ones that are like, yeah, like this would be the best medicine for Sim. I'm like, that's not, don't put that in me. Yeah. How would you talk about the Dow in like a social scenario? Like I'm just thinking about these finance bros and their Patagonia vests. I'm like, how are we talking about the Dow? I guess if someone's like, hey, you look really blue today. Like why are you sad? I'll be like, oh, the Dow like dropped 4%. I'm kidding. I think the way I would do it would be if someone was like, oh, how's the stock market doing? Or if you wanted to talk about the stock market, you can talk about how the Dow is moving up or down. And so all you have to do is type in like Dow Jones index and it will say what it's done in a day, in a month, year to date. So from like January the 1st to today or in the last five years. And so if it goes up and down, you can go, oh, In general, the market has gone up and down, but you're a smart investor. You're not just someone that follows the crowd. And so you'll know that you won't just look at the Dow and go, well, the Dow's down, the market's down. You'll also look at the S&P 500 and go, they're both down. 
And so that is mm-hmm. what Sonia's going to talk about. That is a great segue. So the S&P 500 or the Standard & Poor's 500 is an index and it is market capitalization weighted and it contains 500 leading publicly traded companies in the US. It was launched in 1957 by the credit rating agency Standard & Poor's, which groundbreaking. It's not like it's in the name. And with the S&P 500, there actually is criteria in terms of how to get selected to be a part of it. So there is an index committee that chooses what companies go in to the S&P 500. One of the criteria is that the market capitalization, so the total value of assets that a company has, it must be at least 8.2 billion. What are we giggling about here, Simran? Do share. Do you have a joke? No, it's just um, 8.2 billion. Like It's like, oh, sorry, you're not like a multi-billion company. (laughs) Go away. Don't even apply. Yeah, exactly. I think... Also, just a side note, when we talk about large cap companies, that is companies that have a market capitalization value of at least $10 billion. And when we talk about small cap companies, it's anywhere between like the $1 to $2 billion mark. And people talk about small cap companies as if they're nothing. We do. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, but they still have... A microcapitalization of a billion. Is a billion nothing now? Like what's happening? No. In this economy, billions is like pennies. (laughs) With inflation, please. So it's 500 companies and the top five holdings of the S&P 500 at the moment is Apple, Microsoft Corporation, Amazon, Class A, so Alphabet, which is part of Google. And the fifth one is Berkshire Hathaway. And I think the great thing is, is that if you're investing in the S&P 500, it does allow you to, I guess, diversify or not put your eggs in one basket straight off the bat because you are investing in an index that has 500 companies. And these companies, they're the biggest and they're the most well-established in America that are open for public trading. So they're not like random companies. 500 sounds like a lot. Mm. You know, it's a lot more than 30 in the Dow, but they're still vetted and they're still selected by a committee. The downside of that is I think we talk a good game about ethical investing and investing in companies that, you know, we believe in. If you're following an index like this, it's really hard to say that, yes, I'm morally aligned with all these 500 companies and all their business practices and everything that's a part of this index, you're going to find that at least one or maybe five or maybe 10 companies that you don't fully align with a part of that index. But because you are investing in it, you're also putting your money in those companies, which is huge. It is huge. Honestly, Every time I think of the S&P 500, I think of this comment that we had from our community and this one girl was like, whenever I see S&P, I just can't stop reading it as salt and pepper. And I'm like, great. Now I'm going to do that as well. (laughs) Now I'm going to do that as well. Thank you so much. (laughs) Thank you so much to that comment there for changing our lives. And now everyone that's listening to this as well. Yeah. So along with the Dow, people usually track the S&P 500 as well because it gives you a deeper and I guess like wider 
perception of how the stock market is doing just simply because of how many companies are in the index. So to Sim's point earlier, when you're trying to integrate this into a conversation, you're going to want to bring all these averages up because all three of them will give you a sound understanding about how the stock market actually is doing rather than, you know, focusing on one. I wouldn't trust anyone that just focuses on one. And if they're bringing it up in a conversation at a restaurant or at a party and they're like, yeah, but the Dow's doing great. So I'm doing great. I'm like, okay, but how's the S&P 500 doing, babes? Honestly, it's it's a red flag if someone just talks about the Dow, <laughs> but that's just my personal opinion. <laughs> Hey, Sim, what's the NASDAQ? Never talk to me like that again. (laughs) The NASDAQ Composite Index is basically the third and final way of measuring how the share market is doing. And it's also an oldie. It's a little bit younger than the last two. It was launched in 1971, so it's pretty young. It's only in its 50s. And it's a market capitalization weighted index. So in the same way as the S&P 500, the top companies are the ones that are the largest. But different to the S&P 500 and very different to the Dow is it is made up of a whopping 3,700 shares. And they're all listed on the NASDAQ stock exchange. So these are companies that are not always, but heavily weighted towards the tech sector. And so the top five companies are things like, of course, Apple, Microsoft, Amazon, Tesla, and then Alphabet Class C shares. The main difference though is that It's like that's just so many companies that they're a mixed bag. They're a little bit like, I don't want to call it loopy, but they have like tracking shares and they have ADRs and they have REITs, which are like real estate investment trusts. They have publicly traded partnerships. So they're just like a big melting pot or a big big stew of companies. And so I'm not really a fan of it. It also includes companies from overseas, unlike the Dow and the S&P 500. Most people, like if you wanted to summarize what does the NASDAQ composite do in like one sentence, it would be like, it just helps us know what the tech sector is doing because the tech sector makes up more than half the index and it's more than three times the index weight of any other market sector. So like consumer services are only 16%, consumer goods are 8%, healthcare is 7%. So if you want to know how is the tech sector doing, you look at the NASDAQ a little bit more closely than you would look at the S&P 500 and definitely a lot more closely than you would look at the Dow. Mm, Fun fact. So a few years ago when, you know, you'd see words like the NASDAQ everywhere, S&P 500, the Dow, I genuinely thought NASDAQ was a part of NASA. And so every time I would see NASDAQ, I would just think, it had something to do with space. But it doesn't have the word NASA in it. It has the letters that make up NASA. Like it's N-A-S-D-A-Q. Exactly. Yeah, but it has N-A-S. And then an A after the a. D. <laughs> if you remove the Q. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I don't know why. I just, I, I and I, I wouldn't even think to be like, maybe I should Google this. Maybe I should ask. Maybe I should search something up in my little head. Mind you, I was not regurgitating this information <laughs> to anyone else. It was just in my little head, living rent free of like, oh, cool. Space updates. Space <laughs> and updates. Like, <laughs> and like, I just wouldn't. I just wouldn't expand. <laughs> so I like 
NASDAQ, because I have like an inside joke with NASDAQ. <laughs> Me and NASDAQ go way back when they were in their <laughs> space era. <laughs> so if you met Sonia in a public setting five years ago and you were like, hey, how's the NASDAQ going? She'd be like, they just launched their rocket recently. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think Elon Musk had something to do with them, you know, Rocket X, Launch X. A SpaceX? <laughs> oh, <It's> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, honestly, though, I all jokes aside, I completely agree with you. And I, I was very confused growing up as well with what all these meant. And I still recall trying to understand it. I, for the life of me, just thought NASDAQ was even while I was like becoming an investor for a very long time, I just thought they were like a top hundred tech companies. Like I just completely misunderstood it. And when I learned that they were 3,700 companies and that only half of them were tech companies, that really threw me off because everyone talks about NASDAQ like tech. Yeah. 3,000 is a lot. It's too much. I guess you are like diversifying off the bat, like with the S&P 500, but it just, it causes so much volatility and it should be, I'm not saying that exclusively invest in this, exclusively invest in that, but these are great indexes to look at as part of your portfolio. There should still be diversification in your portfolio that aren't just these indexes. You know what I mean? Also, when you're looking at these indices, when you're trying to look at how the market is doing, it's a little bit like a Goldilocks situation. Like if you just look at the Dow, no. it's not enough. If you look at the NASDAQ, it's too many. And then the S&P is like, it's just right. It's not too hot. It's not too cold. But you also kind of need all of them. But in saying that, not a lot of people know that there is a fourth index that people use when Ew. it comes to looking at the share market. And this is going to set you apart from the rest of the crowd. We're going to throw in a fourth one just because we love you guys and we want to make sure that you are as knowledgeable as possible. So take it away, Sonia. What is the fourth most common index? The fourth index is Russell 2000. Now, it is a stock market index that measures the performance of 2000 smaller companies. And remember how I was talking about small cap companies? So companies that have around at least 300 million to $2 billion, small, nothing major. Well, all 2000 companies are small cap companies. So the top five holdings of Russell 2000 is one, AMC Entertainment Holdings, Class A. Two, BlackRock, which I'm sure Sim has thoughts about. <laughs> Three, Shockwave Medical. Four, Biohaven Pharmaceutical. And five, Intella Therapeutics. So there's a lot of health and pharmaceutical companies within the 2000 small cap companies. So people usually use this to compare small cap mutual funds. And it is great to compare alongside the three biggest averages because it gives you an understanding of how smaller companies are doing in the US market as well, which is why Sim said that it really rounds off the four that we talked about or the three that we talked about. The other thing with the Russell 2000 is like, think about it. If they're all small cap companies, they're all new companies, they're like excited. You hope that one of them or a few of them are going to grow up and like take off or become the next Google or the next Apple. And so they're a lot more volatile because if you imagine like something like Coca-Cola or Pepsi, 
these are large companies, they've got structures, they've got their way of doing things and they've done it for a long time. And then these new tech companies or these new pharmaceutical companies rock up and they're like, we're new, we're a startup, we're going to be crazy, we're going to try new things, we're going to take risks. And so they can do really well and you can see a lot of gains, but they can also crash and burn really quickly because they're like, there's no stability. And so when the market does well, like let's say the S&P 500 goes up 10%, usually the Russell 2000 will go up a little bit more, like go up 15%. But when the S&P 500 drops like 7%, the Russell tanks and it will tank like 9%. Mm. So you've got more risk for hopefully more reward, but you can't look at it on its own because you'll be like, wow, the market has really, really, really dropped off if you just look at the Russell 2000. But that's because these are more volatile companies to begin with and the Dow has probably not dropped as much. So when it comes to these four indices, hopefully you've been able to understand what they mean with the Dow when the Dow goes up and down. Basically, 30 really big stable companies in the US are going up and down. When the S&P 500 goes up and down, that's really the stock market that we're talking about. And that is more of a true reflection of what's going on. When the NASDAQ goes up and down, it's it's very similar, but they're more tech focused. And then when the Russell 2000 goes up and down, it's going to be a little bit more dramatic. It's like when you push someone and they fall over and go, ow, my leg, like you're like, I touched you. That is how the Russell 2000 acts in the share market. It is dramatic. That's because they're small cap companies. So I think that's probably a good place to wrap it up. Sonia, do you feel like our community is going to be able to go away and like utilize these and just be so much more inclined to jump into conversations after this? Absolutely. I think we've given you some great zingers to bring out at your next social event. At your next company party. (laughs) (laughs) Now, if you enjoy this episode, please put it up on your Instagram, tag us. We love to see it and it helps spread our word as far as possible. Rate us on Apple or Spotify. It means the world to us and we'll see you next week. Until next time, Sonia. Till next time, Sim. Bye. Bye. Before we go, thank you again to HSBC for not only powering this episode, but for the rest of the season. Don't forget to check out the link in the description to find out more. And as always, to finish off with our disclaimer, Girls That Invest does not provide personalized investing advice for your individual needs. We are not financial advisors. The advice from Girls That Invest exists for educational purposes only and should not be relied upon to make an investment or financial decision. Advice from Girls That Invest is general in nature and does not consider individual circumstances. Always do your research and please use your due diligence.